And with that, uh, we're going to continue sort of picking up the theme that we were on last week by talk, talking about this bit of anxious atmosphere that we are living in with uh, everything going on today. If you were here last week, you remember we looked at some stats from, from Canadians. Um, it says that one in 20 Canadians, 6%, had recently experienced thoughts or feelings of suicide as a result of the pandemic. Uh, one in five Canadians, it's almost uh, 20%, feel uh, reported feeling depressed occasionally or most of the time in the previous week as a result of the pandemic. So this is not depression last month or last year. This is like last week that people are feeling waves of occasional or constant depression because of the pandemic. And uh, 25%, one in four Canadians are feeling lonely uh, because we are more cut off from each other and can't run and give hugs anymore. And, and if you're single or elderly, it's, it's, it can be a difficult time or in certain family dynamics, it can feel very lonely. And so uh, we, we see uh, that this is affecting a lot of people. And, um, and even in BC, we, we talked about last week how, you know, up to this point, I think we've had just in BC, you know, thankfully only 210 deaths, though each of those deaths represents a person and a real loss in those families. Uh, we've had over 900 overdoses this uh, year in BC. Um, and so this, this idea of this the mental health effects of COVID is, is actually a real thing that the scientists are studying and talking about a lot. In fact, one study uh, says this, that 6 million to 10 million Canadians will visit a doctor for mental health issues a whopping 54 to 163 percent increase over pre-pandemic levels, and so they're talking about the the crisis of COVID, and then there's the, sort of the economic crisis, and then there's this whole other crisis of the mental health crisis that is just beginning to be seen and is actually going to be seen much time after the public health and economic crisis are over. And one of the the folks on the study said that this is a human crisis. Our previous research on the impact of natural disasters on humans shows that once the public health and economic crises have subsided, the human crises will endure for months, if not years. And so these scientists have studied just various, you know, epidemics and disasters and, and realized that, that there are huge mental health effects as a result of of um, disasters and, and sicknesses. And, and one thing they're looking to is the SARS, which was a coronavirus back in 2003. And that only hit Hong Kong. They managed to contain it in about three months. But even after those three months, researchers found high levels of anxiety, PTSD, depression, obsessive compulsive disorders months after it was over. And that was only a three month thing. We're like already six or seven into this and there's not really an end uh, sign anywhere out there. There's people saying, you know, maybe next year sometime or longer. I mean, uh, we have no, no idea, which actually makes it harder because you know when you're going through difficulty, you know if there's an end date, it makes it a little bit easier. Like when you're pregnant and you know it's only nine months or, you know, you go to the surgery, you know you're going to have a six-month recovery or six weeks or something. But this, nobody knows at this point. There's lots of guesses, but it could be a long time. And so there's this, this uncertainty about this time, which, which, which adds to it. Uh, they were done research after the Fort Mac fires. Again, uh, sicknesses are natural disasters causing mental health issues. And, and by the way, this is the photo I took. 
of the forest fire by my house right now through my scope. It was pretty cool there a few, few days. Uh, but uh, from the Fort Mac fires, it, uh, researchers, this just came out a couple weeks ago, statistics from Fort McMurray suggest that mental health impact will linger for years, talking about COVID. Visits to mental health professionals and prescriptions for antidepressants shot up in the months following the May 2016 wildfire. And as of the most recent data of late 2018, there's no sign of coming back to pre-disaster normals. And, and after the Fort McMurray wildfire, there are significant increases in mental health symptoms in grade 7 to 12 students compared to controls. And so this idea that you should be aware of the, the mental health stuff around COVID and, and this underlying anxiety that a lot of uh, folks are feeling, and not about, no, about you, but, you know, if I really stop and think about it, I mean, there has been a little bit of sort of underlying anxiety. I mean, for me, I mean, definitely churches looked a lot different, and different sometimes creates anxiety, and going to stores is different, and there's a lot of things that are different in this day. I know in, in what I do as a pastor, I kind of keep up with other pastors, but uh, at, at this point, they're, they're saying that only 18% of pastors actually feel adequate to lead in this time because it's completely different than normal. A third of pastors are dealing with discouragement. A third are dealing with burnout. And, and some of those stats are even higher in other fields, like in, in healthcare. Uh, people working on the front lines, especially in the States. I mean, some of the mental health things coming out from the health co-workers are teachers, you know, with the stress and anxiety of having kids back in their class and all that's going around, around that. I mean, especially in places that are like Florida, over one in 10 person is tested positive for, for COVID. And so for there being, you know, a pastor, a health worker, a teacher, I mean, you could imagine how much, much higher it is there. And so a lot of folks saying that in this time that these are some of the things that they're, they're, they're feeling. They're feeling that they have a shorter fuse, uh, kind of losing their temper more easily, that they feel that there's this sort of pervasive low-level anxiety that they just can't get rid of. Uh, feeling of a hostility, Maybe you've seen that if you go into a store or, you know, there's a bit more sense of host hostility. Uh, mental fragmentation, scattered thoughts. I mean, your thinking is not as clear. You have a harder time focusing. You're forgetting things. Diminished reserves, uh, irritability, compassion, fatigue that you just don't have the reserves to really care maybe for others the way you want because you're trying to care for your own anxiety. Emotional exhaustion and an increased reliance on, on coping mechanisms. And I've met with folks who just say, you know, Jesse, I've, just been, I've been drinking way more, and I've been doing this way more, and just trying to cope with the, this, this low-level anxiety. And uh, we don't like it in us, and so we're always looking for ways to, to escape. And then, and then you look at all that, and then you, like, add the other pressures that are coming our way. I mean, all this, and then, I mean, what happens if your car breaks down? Or, you know, your marriage isn't going well, or your kids aren't doing what you want them to, and just, it just adds more we got fires and, you know, dual, dual hurricanes in the state and dual hurricane of election down there and all kinds of craziness in our world, which, which adds to what we're going through. And, and you might be here and saying, well, that's all fine and great, but I'm fine. You know, I'm doing really well. My soul is doing really well. I feel alive. You know, this hasn't really affected me much. And, and that's awesome if you're there. But this doesn't mean that this shouldn't concern you because we are actually called to think about others. And we're called to consider others and, and the needs of others. In fact, we know that the main command of Jesus above everything else is, is to love each other. 
Over and over, Jesus says, a new command I give you, which is to love one another. And John is like, I commit this new command is to love one another. It's called the royal law in scripture is to, to love your neighbor as yourself. And Galatians says to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? It's, of course, his command to, to love one another. And so to love one another means that there are times we step in and, and carry someone else through a hard time. And if you're doing well, then there is a call for you to, to come along and help others through their anxiety. And this is what we talked about last week, about living into this, this idea of, of uh, encouraging people. There's a whole ministry talked about in the, in the scriptures of lifting people up and blessing people and encouraging uh, people in, in this, this time. I like this quote. Uh, it says, theology, theology 101. The question should never be, is this action leftist or right-wing, liberal or conservative, socialist or capitalist? The question should be, does this action love my neighbor? Look out for their interests more than my own. Manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And, and sometimes Christians can get far too political for my liking, and they make everything about left and right and liberal and conservative, and it's like actually kingdom people are to primarily con concern themselves about loving one another. And the main question that concerns kingdom people is, is this loving? Is this blessing people? Is this lifting people up? Is this a kingdom? And so we have a real opportunity in this time to shine as God's people to encourage one another and to encourage those who are feeling down and depressed and discouraged uh, in, in, in this time. And through all this, um, in, in this craziness, just be reminded that, that Jesus He's always just reaching out his arms to us and inviting us in to the rest that he experiences himself. In Matthew 28, he throws out this invitation, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That Jesus is inviting them to this place where we would actually experience deep rest in our souls. Rest from the demands of religion, rest from the demands of, of striving and performance and, and finding our identity in other places to, to really come to this place where our soul is at rest and free in the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what a time for this when people are feeling anxious and, and struggling to, to be reminded that Jesus is reaching out to us saying, come, come rest, come experience the soul rest found in me. And, and there's a story in Mark 6 where it says that so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. And, and Jesus says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And there are times when things get hectic, and even for Jesus, when things are so busy and anxious and, you know, there's all this stuff going on where he, he just says to us, come with me. Come with me to a quiet place and rest. Take a breather. Allow me to minister to your soul. Allow me to dissipate some of that anxiety. Allow me to take some of that scattered thoughts that you have and to, to reconstruct them. Come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. It's interesting that um, uh, kind of an old photo of the desert, desert fathers and mothers who were these, these kind of crazy Christians who 
back in the third and fourth century who actually looked at their society and their towns and villages, and they actually thought that, uh, that it was and it, it, was robbing from their, it was robbing them of, of their soul rest. And they, they thought it was crazy and hectic and busy and striving. So they were like, you know, we got to go into the desert where we can just appreciate beauty and just connect with God and, and really just have the scattered world pushed away a little bit. And which is kind of funny because their world like literally was like a world like five kilometers an hour. I mean, they didn't have planes, they didn't have cars, they just walked to places. It might take you an hour to get to your neighbor's house or a day or two to get to the next town. They didn't have cell phones with ringing and dinging and notifications and news flying in from all over the world. They just knew about what was happening in their own little bubble. And they thought the world was robbing and making their soul tired that they had to run into the desert and like, man, how much more us. I mean, is it that we are just so caught up into the craziness and demands and, and you know, all the stuff going on in the world that we have even forgot about even the possibility of having our souls be at rest and our souls feeling free and, and relaxed because I mean, our world is about ding, 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 go, 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 strive, 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 perform, efficiency, efficiency. In fact, I think it was some monk who said the worst thing that ever happened to the Western world was efficiency. Uh, I mean, how would you score your soul these days? Do you feel an inner joy most of the time? How often do you feel lighthearted? Do you feel deeply loved by God? Are you excited about your future? Are you able to slow down and rest? Or does your soul feel scattered and frantic and, and just absorbing all of the anxiety that is everywhere in the world and you just seem to be a sponge for that? There's a story in Acts that I think is a little bit prophetic for this time. And it's a story of of Paul, and he's on a, on a prison ship, because uh, he got in some trouble with some of the religious folks, and long story, he had to appeal to Caesar, and so he's going to, to Rome to stand before Caesar, and he's on this prison ship, and, and it's getting late in the season, so the, the captain was worried about the winds, you know, they would get caught in a storm, and so they were in a harbor thinking, you know, maybe, just maybe we'll stay here for the winter, but then the most beautiful wind comes by, and they're like, this is perfect, let's go, and so they set sail, and it was beautiful for a time, but then this beautiful wind turned into, as what the scriptures say, a hurricane force wind, and it began to batter the boat and slam the boat, and it was a crazy, crazy storm that lasted not just one day, but went into the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. I mean, they were eating, they tried to drop the anchor, they were being throwing stuff overboard, trying to save the boat, and and then day six, and day seven, day eight, and day nine, and day ten, they started throwing more stuff over the board, overboard, and day ten, and eleven, twelve, thirteen, all the way up to the day fourteen. And then Paul, he had this, this meeting with God on the boat, an angel, and he gets a bit of insight, and he says this, for the last fourteen days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. I mean, they gone 14 days without food, freaked out, anxious. It says actually they had all given up hope, meaning they just thought they were all going to die. They talk about constant suspense. Paul knew it was actually going to get worse because the ship ended up blowing apart on the shore, uh, but they do survive. But, but I mean, this is kind of like we're, we're in this world where there, there is this constant suspense. 
And for all we know, like Paul, things may get worse because we don't know what the, the fall is going to be. I mean, maybe there's going to be the wave is going to return and maybe things will get shut down again. We were praying not, but, but who knows? I mean, things could get, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. We're living in constant uncertainty. And Paul says, before things get worse, he says, would you guys just eat something? Would you just take care of yourself? Would you just do something kind and just eat because you need it to survive? And, and I think the word is in this time is that, that, that this is a time where we need to do soul care, a time where you need to be looking at your soul and saying, you know, what is it my soul needs in this moment? Maybe in this little breather we're in because things could get worse. Maybe it'll get better, but things most likely, according to experts, are going to get worse. I mean, are you caring for your soul? And this is very important in the scripture. I mean, Proverbs 4 says, above all else, number one priority, huge thing in our life, guard your heart. And your heart biblically just means your inner being, your soul. Guard your heart for, for everything you do. It's a wellspring of life. Everything you do flows from it. And when your soul is tired, everything in life is hard. Relationships are hard. Being joyful is hard. You know, being encouraging to others is hard. I mean, when your soul is dry, everything is hard. And it's not the way Jesus wants you to live. He says, come to me if you're weary and tired and carry heavy burdens. And I want to give you rest. And he mentions this rest for your, your soul. Like some sort of inner rest that encompasses you. That, that all of life can begin to flow out of you. This is what he is inviting us into. And so I just want to give some thoughts on soul care in this time. Is, uh, we may need this, hopefully not, but uh, I mean, if you are feeling this underlying anxiety, some of these things can be very helpful. Some of these, these things I, I do a lot of. Uh, there may be other ideas out there. But the first one is to be aware of social media and news, to, to choose what you take in. And as much as we love social media, and as much as it can be super helpful, and there's so many beautiful things about social media... Uh, there's been lots and lots of studies that are very conclusive now that have linked the use of social media to depression, anxiety, loneliness, poor sleep quality, lower self-esteem, inattention, and hyperactivity. And uh, the average person checks their phones about, about 80 times a day. I mean, I'm less than that, so it means some people are more than me. Uh, but they, they've linked it to, you know, not helping with this underlying anxiety. And if you're struggling with, you know, to kind of managing these times, then, then you need to be more choosy in how you manage social media because it can actually make it worse. I mean, because as you read through social media, depending on what you have on there, I mean, you might post something and someone, you know, doesn't like it and they say something and there's controversy all of a sudden and that, that creates anxiety in you. Or you're reading other people's posts and there's controversy, it can cause anxiety in you. Or you read about all the different news things that are happening all over the world and things in other, other countries that... You know, 100 years ago, you'd never know about it. But now you know about them all the time, all day. And then you're sitting in the office and someone has a beautiful picture of their vacation. And you're like, oh, it doesn't help with your anxiety. And so they're just suggesting, just be careful what you take in. Uh, there are times when you just need to unfollow folks or unfollow somebody. I mean, if you follow people who are constantly creating division, constantly stirring up problems and never having any solutions, then sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I'm going to unfollow that person. I mean, it's okay to be critical, it's okay to ask questions, but you want to follow people who are at least critical and ask questions, who are at least trying to make things better. 
I mean, there's so many people who are critical and ask a lot of questions and don't make anything better. They just make it worse. And it's so easy to be critical. It's so easy to be controversial. It's super easy to ask big questions, but, but are you trying to make it better? As Michelangelo, I think, who said, you need to, to, to criticize by creating. You need to be trying to move things forward, not just pulling, pulling things apart. And so sometimes you need to watch what you take in and, and be choosy and, you know, add some funny things to your feet or things that are going to pump you up or, you know, lots of awesome ministries out there that can, can build you up. And then when it comes to the news, I mean, uh, Mental Health Commission of Canada, just talking about the news, said uh, the brain is continuously seeking new informational cues to reassess the threat level of all the stuff going on. You know, the election in the States and the COVID and all these things. Unfortunately, if we bombard ourselves with COVID-19 details, headlines, and images, we reinforce the threat signal and perpetuate the stress response. I mean, the lizard brain gets activated and our fight, flight, and flop brain is all of a sudden excited and we don't think straight, we get stressed. Remember, the information we allow in will affect how we feel. And we should monitor that intake with care. And so if you find yourself with struggling and, and your soul dry and anxiety, then, then be a little more choosy on things you're taking in on social media, the news. Another thing that's really helpful for soul care is, is just to pause and uh, to connect with God and reset. And our minds are like uh, a junk drawer. You, know, you have a junk drawer at home? I think we all, we probably probably have junk drawers unless you're like super clean freak, but um, you know, even if your house is clean, you have a junk drawer because when the company comes in, that's where it goes, right? You got to throw it in there so it looks clean. Uh, but our brains are like that. I mean, we wake up in the morning, we might feel refreshed at the moment, but then we begin to think about all the things we have to do in that day and think about all the things that are difficult. And then we go on social media and we get all the scattered thoughts and that clouds our brains. And then we drive to work and someone's driving really slow and that crowds our brain. And all of a sudden our, our mind is scattered and filled with junk and we're stressed out. And this is where the pause, connect, and just a little restart can be very, very helpful for soul care. And it's kind of like your computer, you know, you know, some more old school computers were like that when they just didn't work right. You had to restart them and all of a sudden like, wow, it's like a brand new computer. Well, uh, neurologists tell us our brain is like that. It can get very crowded and, and just these quick little pauses throughout the day can make a huge difference. John Eldridge in his book, Get Your Life Back, which is a great little book, uh, on soul care, he says this, you've got to release the world. You've got to release people, crisis, trauma, intrigue, all of it. There has to be some time in your day where you just let it all go. All the tragedy of the world, the heartbreak, the latest shooting, earthquake, the soul was never meant to endure this. The soul was never meant to inhabit a world like this. It's way too much. Your soul is finite. You cannot carry the sorrows of the world. Only God can do that. Only, him, only He is infinite. Somewhere, sometime in your day, you've got, you just got to release it. You've got to let it go. And this is where this little pause, connect, refresh comes in, where you can just, you just stop and you pause and you just let it all go. And, um, and there's, there's an app you can use for this, and I actually use this app. It's, it's called the One Minute, one minute Pause. And basically, you can do this, I usually do it three, three or four times a day. 
you can throw in your headphones, and you're, and, uh, or just where you're quiet, you just hit play, and it just, it's just a 60, it seems like 20 seconds, just, but it goes very quick, but it's just a simple prayer, there's a little pause, and then it just leads you through this prayer, but it just says, you know, Jesus, I release everyone and everything to you. I release everything and everyone to you, God. And it's just a little one-minute pause, and and it's amazing how it just resets your, your soul, it resets your, your brain. It just cleans up that junk drawer a little bit. And you just have to little connect with God and then, and then you go on. And it's very short. And so you may want to check out the one-minute pause and there's a three-minute pause and there's some others in there, but that's put out by, by uh, Wild at Heart folks, John, John Eldridge group. Uh, another thing that is really helpful for soul, soul care in a time like this is to, to slow down and to actually enjoy the moment. Because a lot of times we can just get super scattered and busy and rush, 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 and everything's got to be efficient. We've got to pack all these things in and all the emails and notifications, and I've got to do this work, and then I've got to go home and all these things to do that we actually don't enjoy much because we're just trying to be efficient. God has given us so much beauty in this world, and he's given us that beauty as a gift that we would actually slow down and enjoy that beauty. And it is amazing how much beauty can actually minister to your soul. Because God created beauty, and there's something in God creating it is that when we take that in, it just, there's some, somehow God ministers through, through beauty. And even the Psalms tell us this, that the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. That just to pause and to enjoy the beauty around you, it can be amazing what it can do just to, to give you strength and energy and to refresh you. I mean, there's something in nature, and even research has shown this, that research shows that, that patients recovered faster, needed fewer painkillers, and left the hospital sooner if their windows allowed views of nature. In fact, the, the studies now show that 93% of our time is spent indoors, 93%. And, and so, I mean, just going outside for a little bit or looking out your window or looking at something beautiful can really minister to your heart. And, and it's something I've been doing over the last summer, this last summer a lot, because I tend to be a quick thinker and talk too fast and like, blah, all these things going on. Uh, but just to learn to pause and slow down. And, you know, usually if I would be sitting on my deck, I'd be reading something or listening to a podcast or something. But, man, I would just learned even to sit there for an hour and just look at the trees and to, you know, see a little bug go by and go, wow, that's pretty cool how God created that bug. It's just complicated. It's cool. And, or just to admire the beauty of my wife or just admire the beauty around you and just to slow down and to actually enjoy cooking a meal and, and eating a meal rather than, you know, it's got to be quick and get this over so I can get on to my efficiency. Uh, allow the grace of beauty and slowing down to touch, to touch your soul. Now, of course, the big one here for soul care is to, to receive and enjoy God's love and presence. And wherever you are, again, this is like part of the, the idea of a pause. Another way you can do, do the pause is to pause them through your day and just be reminded that all the love, the joy, and the strength you need is actually is, is right there because you are enveloped in the triune God. As, as John 14 says, Jesus says that, he says, I am in my Father, and that you, that's us, we're in him, and that he's in us. And so 
we are enveloped in Jesus, and he's enveloped in us, and Jesus is enveloped in the Father, which means we're, we're enveloped, we've even invited to participate in, in the very nature of the Trinity, where, where that love that is flowing, and the joy that is flowing, and the rest that is flowing, and we can just pause and receive the love that is flowing between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit onto us, and the joy that is flowing from the Father, Son, to the Holy Spirit onto us, and the rest says Jesus sat down at the right hand of God and that rest that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is enjoying, that you can just stop and just receive that and actually learn to be a human being because so much of this world has taught us that we're a human doings. It's all about you gotta do, 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 and strive and work and you gotta think and be busy and get that notification and ring, ding, ding, you know, buzz, whatever, drive fast in traffic. I mean, to actually just receive and be a human being. Is, is a huge thing, and to learn to get our identity from this, this perfect love that's coming from us. And a lot of times when we, when our soul is not doing well, we, we get out of getting our identity from God, and all of a sudden we begin to get our identity from work, or the things we do, or uh, you, know, my, my, you know, the relationships I have, and we can get our identity from all, and it, it always causes our soul to crack. And just to learn to get our identity from being loved by God, that we don't have to do, that we don't have to perform, that we are saved by grace and not by works. And, and God just loves us. I mean, just to receive and just, to, just take a step out of this world with demands and it has so much pressure can be huge for, for you. And so, you know, sometimes just during the day, I'll pause even for just 20 seconds and just, just receive the love and the joy and the goodness that is flowing between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and just receive that calmness and, and, and then just go on. Uh, be kind to yourself. Uh, enjoying, uh, you know, the pleasures God has given us is, is not a bad thing. And God invented pleasure in Psalm 16. It says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures there at God's right hand. I mean, he's the author of, of the pleasures and the beauty that we see in this world. And, and to actually be kind to ourselves sometimes and actually just to enjoy something. You know, it's funny, sometimes people will come up to maybe you or me, and they're like, you know, I'm so burnt out, and I'm fried, and we give them advice, like, you know, you should take a day off, and just, you know, enjoy a hobby or something like that, but you know, a lot of times, we will give that advice, but we won't do it for ourselves. That we give lots of grace towards others, but we're really hard on ourselves, because we get our identity from work, and striving, and performance, and actually, there are times when God just wants you to enjoy pleasures. I mean, there are times in the Old Testament where God, it was actually a command for the Israelites to go and you eat that meal and you drink that wine and you be joyful. There's actually commands in the Old Testament like that. Enjoy a pleasure for once. To enjoy your hobby, to enjoy a meal, to enjoy a relationship, to, again, enjoy beauty. Just to be kind for your, to yourself and not just beat yourself up and get so entangled in this world of craziness. And then lastly, which is very open-ended, is just to intentionally connect with God, and all of these things are doing that. Uh, but we did a whole series in the fall on the ways you can connect and experience with God, and, and just as a reminder that we need to, because He really is the one who is going to heal our souls. He is the answer. He's the one who satisfies. As Jesus said in John 6, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Again, he throws out this invitation, come to me, 
all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your souls. And sometimes, uh, again, even in your devotional times, you need to, to stop doing. There are times that we just need to receive. Because sometimes you can actually get anxious in your devotion times because, Lord, I've got to read my three chapters and I've got to pray through my list, and, and you get anxious rather than just being able to receive. And there are times you have to do that and you've got to pray and you've got to read your Bible. Those are good things. But sometimes uh, there are helpful other ideas, and there's lots out there, but just another app I use is it's called Lexio 365. And this, this one, that if you just don't have energy to read the scriptures, it actually just is a short little 10-minute prayer devotional thing where you can actually just put it on and listen and just pray along with the prayers and, and receive the scripture and the applications. And again, there's, there's lots more out there, but just different ideas of connecting, to connecting with, with God. And so, Father, we, we need you always, but we, we just really acknowledge our need for you in this time. And God, we just pray over this world. We pray over Canada. God, and, and so many people who are feeling lonely and depressed and discouraged, God, check out our hearts right now. So, Father, we just pray that you would cause us as your kingdom people to shine in this time, shine for each other, that we would be there for each other and love and care and be there for our neighbors. God, that we would be voices of encouragement, voices of life. And so, God, that you minister to our hearts. And I just pray, God, you lift up anyone in this just been struggling, you've been suffering suicide, and that's depression, discouragement. God, would you infuse them with life in this moment? God, would you help them to just escape this, the demands of this world and just be able to perceive? Would you God, just open up our hearts a little bit more just to be a human being, not, not a human doing in this time? So bless us. 